Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 13 to 16, and this is what the scripture says. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And as I was pondering and thinking about Lift Church and her testimony over the last 19 years, this passage of Scripture came to mind. And I thought that over the last 19 years, God has preserved the saltiness within this church. But with that also, this church has become a light within Zug and the nations around. And I am so thrilled to see that people who have come here, who have stayed for some years and who have gone to other places also, that their light has shone before others. And others have seen their good deeds and they have glorified our Father in heaven. And this church maintains a testimony that I believe just brings glory and honor to Jesus. And today, I, as I look at the scriptures, really want to thank God that he had an idea 19 years ago. And he dropped that idea in the hearts of Corey and his wife. And together with a handful of people, they started to live out this passage of Scripture and laid a foundation for what we are experiencing now. And um, it was God's thoughts. God started building his church here. And God started to open up doors through these wonderful people. And I think today we've got about 37 or 38 different nations represented within our church. And we have seen many people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we have seen Christians come here. And because of certain factors, they have cried out to God and their lives have been transformed from one level of glory to the next. And that is what church is about. But this church had taken another few steps forward because this church, for 19 years, have been generous in the way that they have released their finance out into the nations. Poor the orphaned, the widows, have hugely benefited from the generosity of this church. And the gospel, through the finances of this church, has reached so many different nations. And my friends, as I was just thinking about this morning, 
in my heart there was this thought that we as a church can never take it for granted that we would maintain our saltiness. We must never take it for granted that we'll be a light on a hill. We must never take it for granted that our lights will always shine. But we need to make sure that Jesus is central to our church and central to our lives and central to our jobs, central to our children. Jesus needs to be central to what we do. And um, there's just a lovely little phrase that Jen and I have played around with. And we actually played around with it when we went to a place to go and get some fast foods. And we sat down and... um, And as we were talking, this phrase jumped into my mind. And I must say, um, after talking to Jen, we've just changed it a little bit. But this is what I would like us to maintain as a church in, in the next years that God would use us all together. And, and it's simply a little phrase that, that excites me. And it, it goes like this, Jesus is our passion, and people are our mission. This is what our hearts pulsate with. We're passionate about Jesus. And I believe as a church, if we are passionate uh, about Jesus, if we remain passionate about him, I believe that our mission with the people that God brings in our way, all the people that we go out, and we search for, that we would see their lives transformed. My friends, next year, our 20th anniversary, we want to celebrate together the goodness of God. We want to have more testimonies and stories about people coming to know Jesus. More testimonies and stories about how people have pushed through the difficult times, but also how they've embraced the good times and have been generous to others. We also want more testimonies of God touching people's bodies physically and healing them. How people are coming through mental illnesses because I believe that Jesus is Lord over that as well. Amen. We want testimonies within this next year that's going to adorn our week of celebrations by giving praise and glory to God. But my friends, what we're going to need to do is for Jesus to be our passion and for people to be our mission. And that is what we want to focus on. Um, And so I was reading the scriptures and I went to the book of Daniel And I wanted to find a character that kind of speaks to me about who this church is. And very strangely, when I started to read Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2, you know, I just saw this man that I believe lift church could be like. And so I know Christo preached on Daniel last week, and I didn't know that until Friday. 
And um, so uh, I'm going to look at Daniel chapter 1. And uh, I would like you just to read the first chapter with me. And so can you open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, please? And Daniel reminds me of someone who remained faithful to God while maintaining influence in the surrounding culture of Babylon. And you may say to me, Piet, um, how are we going to maintain our passion for Jesus? How are we going to be able to balance that out with having a mission for people that Jesus said we need to have? He says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, and, and, and oftentimes what you find with churches is they've either become so heavenly minded and they know earthly good. <laughs> or they become so earthly good that there is no heavenly mindedness. Meaning that we become so super spiritual that we don't touch people who need Jesus because we, we, we scare them away. Or, you know, we're so about people that we forget that they need Jesus to transform them. And when I look at Daniel's life, there's a couple of truths that I loved about him that I see within this chapter where he was able to remain faithful to God. My friends, as a church, in the culture that we're living in, we've got to remain faithful to God, not to our culture. Amen? That's very poor. Can you help me on this one? Would you agree that we need to remain faithful to God and not to our culture? It's critical. Otherwise, the church becomes exactly like the culture and we are no longer salty. And we won't make a difference within their lives. We love the world, but the world needs Jesus. And they need a church that has maintained its saltiness and its light so that they can find their way to God. And Daniel is a man who shows us that type of a way. And so let's read the, uh, Daniel chapter 1. And this is what the scripture says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of the God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenash, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Well, we had two of those young men up front here, would you agree? He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, look at the wording. But Daniel resolved 
decided, had a conviction in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking for worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel said to the God whom the chief officials had appointed over Daniel, Hanaya, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. How many of you would like to go on that diet? <laughs> then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So we agreed to do this and tested them for 10 days. I'd say that's long enough. At the end of the 10 days, he looked healthier and better, nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took them away, their choice of food and the wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And I'm just going to leave it right here. An incredible passage of Scripture. And many of you, as I've read this, have understood actually what's happened here. That um, the Hebrew young men were taken captive and they went to Babylon. As a matter of fact, Daniel was there for 70 years. And so you need to understand that as we look at Daniel, not only did he go there as a young man, but he maintained his testimony and his life for 70 years in exile. He lived outside of his comfort zones into a country that was different from his, similar to many of us who have come to Switzerland, and yet he maintained his testimony for all of that period of time. My friends, my absolute desire for Lift Church is that we would maintain our testimony before God for the years that he gives us here. And that's our endeavor. That's, that's what we are trusting God for. But my friends, when that happens, there is something else that I'm trusting God for. And I've entitled um, this message, Faithfulness That Delights. Now, I have over the years that I've served God, often heard that just be faithful. Just be faithful, just be faithful. And I believe that. And um, I got saved when I was maybe nine years old. And I'm 39 now. And um, for those years, I've served God. And um, I can tell you that he has been more faithful to me than what I have been to him. He always remains faithful. And the faithfulness that we show to him always comes from him. It's not from us. But God is calling us to be faithful as a church. 
because he is faithful, but a faithfulness that will delight. And this is what I've seen with the church here, even with Daniel here. When you look at his life, you'll find out, as the scripture says here, that he made some decisions that were unpopular, but those decisions caused delight in the influence that he had of people around him. My friends, we as a church must be faithful to what God has called us to do here in Zug and in Switzerland and indeed in Europe and the nations. But that faithfulness which flows out of a relationship with him will bring delight. That means it will influence others to find Christ. And if I had to celebrate one thing about this church that stands out from so many of the other churches that we've led, and we've led amazing churches, Jen and I, the thing that stands out is that we have seen incredible salvations within this church. But the salvations happen because God was speaking to people, but he sent you to people with a testimony of faithfulness. And those people understood that there was something genuine about you, authentic, real, that you have a real relationship with God. And out of that, the Holy Spirit used your testimony and your life and your words, and we have seen I can't even say how many over the 19 years. We've only been here for 10. So I can only speak for the last 10. But we've seen over the last 10 years, many, many people come to know Jesus. This past year, we've seen a number of people come, radical conversions of people coming to Jesus. We've seen people get baptized this year in water. My friends, God is calling us to a faithfulness. And we see here with Daniel, that God called him to be faithful. That is what was within his heart. Remember, he was schooled as a young boy in the Jewish um, traditions. Um, he knew God. And when he was exiled, we see that what happened was that his faith was tested. And he remained faithful to what his parents taught him or what the uh, culture of his day taught him, what the church of his day taught him. And when the challenge was thrown up to him, he was faithful. Again, I emphasize the truth. Daniel remained faithful to God while maintaining influence in the surrounding culture of Babylon. Now, it's very interesting within our lives. Oftentimes, people say, well, you know, for you to reach people who are not Christians, um, you have to become exactly like them, because then they will listen to you. People oftentimes would say, well, you know, the church was so far this side that they were never really relevant 
to the non-believing world. And so what has happened over the last 20, maybe 30 years? Um, church had to change to become more relevant to the people on the outside there. And at times, I think segments of the church lost their faithfulness to God in the quest to reach people. And um, vice versa, I think, um, you know, there were times when the church was so different that she was completely irrelevant to sharing the gospel with other people. And so it was like um, you try and become this to the exclusion of that, and you become this to the exclusion of this. And it, it's not what God has called us to. Daniel had the ability to be faithful to God, but still to influence his culture, which was a foreign culture. And through his faithfulness, he brought delight to them. Martin Luther said this. He said, history is like a drunk man on a horse. No sooner does he fall on the left side, does he mount up again and fall on the right. And it is true, we always overbalance, don't we? And um, I saw the picture that someone presented when I saw this quote. And um, the picture is of a man who's drunk and they get up on the horse and as they're on the horse, they fall off and then they try and get up again and then they fall off on the other side. My friends, sometimes we are like that in our quest to bring people to Jesus because we always overbalance. My friends, for us as a church to remain salty, for us as a church to be like a light set on a hill, for us as a church to do things for people so that they can see our good works and glorify our Heavenly Father, we need to find that balance where we don't always have to correct. How did Daniel remain faithful to God while maintaining influence in the surrounding culture of Babylon? How did he do it? Well, number one, Daniel chose God's way. He sacrificed comfort for calling. My friends, there is no compromising way to maintain our saltiness. There just is not. The Bible says here, when you read the scripture in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, it's very interesting, the culture of the day, the officials of Babylon were very clever in the way um, how they wanted to um, change Daniel and his, his friends and all of the youths. They wanted to make Daniel and them one of theirs. They wanted to indoctrinate them. And how did they start out to do it? Well, firstly, by changing their names. You see that... Um, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. Isn't that beautiful? God is my judge. Babylon changed his name to Belshazzar, which means 
Babylon's prince, Baal's prince. Change it completely. Daniel's friend, Hananiah, meaning beloved by the Lord. How, that is such a beautiful name, beloved by the Lord. And they changed it to Shadrach, meaning illuminated by the sun god. The name Meshach, meaning who is as God, was changed to Meshach, which meant who is like Shach. The name Azariah, meaning the Lord is my help, was changed to Abednego, meaning servant of Nego. So they changed it completely. Because you see, the culture of our day surreptitiously comes. And it will try and take our saltiness away. And oftentimes, it is through the means of where our calling is compromised. Through comfort. We had such an amazing time in New Zealand with our son. We were there for four weeks now. And I must say, it was so nice just to relax. It was just the most amazing time. And um, I could have easily have stayed another few weeks. Jen was ready to come back, but I could very, very happily go and catch some more deep-sea fishing and fish with my son and do all of those type of things. But as we got back here, the thought on Friday as I was preparing came into my heart that it would be so easy to compromise the calling that God has placed upon us by making decisions of comfort. My friends, how many of you know that the calling of God is not always comfortable? It's true. And so often we can make decisions that will water down our calling because we choose comfort. Now, my friends, we had an incredible four weeks of holiday. We needed that comfort. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. But we can never compromise our calling for that comfort. New Zealand is very much like South Africa where we come from. And someone asked me on Friday, they said, would it be easy for you to move to New Zealand? You know, I don't just think about it. Because our son, every now and then, tongue-in-cheek, he would say to us as we drive past an old-age home, he would say, Mom and Dad, I can see you guys in there. Mom and Dad, um, you can always retire here. Let's look for a house. And so we were, we were just joking. And, you know, and I said to someone, if we had to move to New Zealand, it is so much like South Africa, it would be very, very easy for us. In comparison to living in Switzerland, which I absolutely love, and I love the people of Switzerland, but it's a different culture completely from what I'm used to. But that's the calling upon our life. I can't put it on you. I wish I could, because we would love to have you here forever. Amen? But my friends, Daniel knew that he was a man who was destined to delight the people in Babylon with the presence and knowledge of God. He knew that. 
but he wasn't willing to compromise his calling for comfort. My friends, there's nothing wrong with drinking wine and eating meat. Aren't you happy about that? Really? Hallelujah, he says. <laughs> we love eating meat together. But you see, when you read the context here that the wine and the food and the meat that was given to Daniel and them were sacrificed on the altars of Babylon and their gods. And that's a little bit of the background there. And so you don't read it here, but when you go and study the passage, you'll see that, that there was an identity that they were trying to change within Daniel. My friends, whenever you and I say yes to an occultural issue within our day that robs us of our Christ identity, my friends, we have compromised. And we lose our saltiness. And the light that we are supposed to be will not shine for very much longer. As in the book of Revelation, when um, the Spirit speaks to the church of Revelation, and John writes, and, 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 and Jesus says, I'm going to take the lampstand from, a, from under you. That, within the first two or three chapters of the book of Revelation, is their witness. The lampstand is the witness. My friends, the church started to compromise their call for the sake of comfort. My heart cries out to all of us here. And in this coming here, there are times when God wants us to be comfortable. I've got no problem with comfort. As a matter of fact, if you speak to Jenny, uh, she will tell you that um, I love comfort. <laughs> um, if we go somewhere, Jenny would love to stay in a tent. I would like to stay in a hotel. I love comfort. So I do. But my friends, let's make sure that we never compromise our calling with comfort. And my friends, every single one of us here have a calling upon our lives. Every single one of you. Some of you just don't realize it. You just don't see it. And when we make decisions, let's make sure That we stay useful to God. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says. It says, and it's Paul writing to the church in Corinth, not to the leaders, not to the pastors, but he writes to the church here and he says this to them. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can I encourage you today? Through these words, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labor, not your comfort, your labor, your hard work, in the Lord is not in vain. And then I'm going to close with this next point. How did Daniel remain faithful to God while maintaining influence in the surrounding culture of Babylon? He did it by becoming a fragrance of God to his sphere 
of influence. My friends, in our faithfulness, we never want to come across weird to other people. Amen? Do you understand what I say with that, what I mean with that? I think the church has gotten it wrong at times with that, where Christians were looked at and the church were looked at as weird. My friends, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most wonderful picture of Jesus. Flawed, yes. But his glory shines through a flawed people. Paul says that to the Corinthians church. He says, God shines through our weaknesses, through our brokenness. He shines through it. And that's where the fragrance actually comes through, is when we live our lives out from other people, when we open up our hearts to other people, when they see our struggles and our difficulties, but they also see that we trust the God that gave his very son for us and that he is our passion. My friends, you don't need to tone down your passion to be effective in the culture that God has given to you. You just need to love the, the people in the culture. Amen? Got to love them. My friends, in Switzerland, God has given me a new heart for the people in Switzerland. When we came here, it, the Holy Spirit just did something within my heart. Yes, I know I'm different from people who are not Christians. But through the goodness and the kindness of God, we've seen some of those people come to repentance. My friends, that's the fragrance that God wants us to release to our culture, is through the goodness and the kindness of God. We need to show them that. That's why this church has done so well over the years. To be generous to those who do not know Jesus and to be kind to them. That was one of the scriptures God gave us when we came to the church 10 years ago. And it was from Romans chapter 2 verse 4 where it says that through patience and through kindness... And God's kindness people will be led to repentance. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 says this. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved. And those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma that brings death. To the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. That is our mission as a church. Friends, as individuals, let's be faithful to God. Let's be resolved to say no. But also, be relevant to our culture, that that which is within us, the fragrance of Christ, that it would flow out of us and that it would touch the lives of people around us. Did you know that 
Daniel's name is a combination, meaning judgment or severity, and a combination of the word restraint, kindness and benevolence. Although he was a man of such principle, his name also brings forth the wonderful truth of just being kind. I trust that we as a church would embody that.